whether in Brentwood, Franklin, or worshiping online with us this morning, it's good to be together. I want you to take out your Bible and open it to Ephesians chapter 6, if you would. Ephesians chapter 6, easy for me to say, right? Ephesians chapter 6. And we need a little, a little bit of review. Three weeks ago, we were in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, where Paul, coming to the end of the book, says there, there is one last thing that I need to say. And, and I've saved it to the end because this is important. You have a very real spiritual enemy who engages you in a very real spiritual battle for a very specific spiritual purpose. He hates the glory of God. And because you, church, you are God's greatest glory, you are his most prized possession, he aims his schemes against you. He and his demonic forces will do everything in their power to deceive you and to diminish the glory of God. You don't have to worry about finding the battle. No, the battle is coming to you and you need to know your enemy. You must know your enemy. And then Paul, in the, in the last two weeks, as Michael and Lloyd have unpacked the rest of this text from verse 10 to verse 17, he says, in, in light of that, knowing your enemy, then you need to stand firm, part two. You, you need to stand firm. He actually says it three times in those eight verses. Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. How? In the strength of the Lord. You see, you try to fight this battle in your own strength, and it won't even be a skirmish. You will lose. You will fall to temptation. You will give yourself over to sin. But if, if you stand firm in my strength, if you put on my truth, my righteousness, my gospel, my salvation, if you put on my armor, God says to us, if you put on my armor, and if you pick up my sword, if you pick up the word of God that I have given to you, then, then you are almost ready for battle. There is one more thing. And this one thing is one of the greatest spiritual weapons that we have in our possession. I want you to pick it up with me in the text in chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. That's our passage for today, Paul writes these words. He says, beginning in verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Hey, church, hey, church, you have an enemy. Do you know who, is, do you know who he is? Yeah, yes, Paul, yeah, we do. We, we know who the enemy is. Hey, church, church, stand firm. Stand firm in your faith. Have you put on the armor of God? Yes, yes, Paul, we are all armored up. We are ready now. Church, listen, here's what you do. Here it is, last thing, this is it. Pray. Pray like crazy. 
You think this is important to Paul? He says the word all four times in one verse. Look at it in verse 18. Paul says, pray all you got, all the time, in all circumstances, for all the church. You want to survive the spiritual battle against the enemy of your soul? Do you want that? Then pray as often as you take a breath. You see, spiritual warfare is fought with spiritual weapons. And God has provided us the spiritual weapons that we need. Here's my word last week. Here's the Bible. My, my truth, use it as your sword. And here is a direct line of communication to me. You pick up your end, I'll be there. You don't even have to wait for it to ring. I, I'm ready. I stand ready. You have, you and I have instant access to the infinite, most powerful, most high sovereign of the universe in every single moment of every single day. Do you get that you are not alone? Do you get that? You are never alone. No matter what the battle looks like in your life, no matter how bruised or how bloodied you are. Now, any any time that I come to a passage on prayer, especially if I'm teaching it, I, I feel woefully inadequate. I am woefully There is so much to be desired in my own prayer life. My guess is that most of us feel that way, but I want you to hear me on this. Hear me on this. That doesn't change anything about God's desire to be with us. He stands ready. And there's nothing that pleases him more than relationship with us. And that's all prayer is, an expression of relationship. It's a conversation. Well, in this case, it's a conversation with the God who made us, the one who made us. Conversation with the one who loves us like nobody else. It's a conversation with the one who stands ready to help us in the very real spiritual battle that we all face. Now, tell me that's not a pretty good deal. It's an incredible deal. There's a phrase in the text that I think needs some attention. It's found in verse 18, and I've put it up here on the side screens as well. Paul says this in verse 18. He says, pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray at all times in the Spirit. What, what does that mean? How is that even possible to pray at all times? It's like I, I'm either praying or I'm not praying, right? So I, I pray before a meal and then I, I stop praying to eat my meal. Or I, I pray when I wake up in the morning and then I stop praying when I go to work. I'm either praying or I'm not praying, right? Paul says here, not, not necessarily. He suggests here that we can be so attuned to our relationship with God that we can actually be at the same time fully present with him and engaged in something else on the earth. So so we, we can be fully present with God in a spiritual sense and doing something in the physical realm. So connected to God, we, we can live so connected to God, so conscious of our relationship with God, so aware of his presence 
in our lives, so mindful of him that actually everything we see and experience here is part of a deeper spiritual conversation with him. How is that possible? Well, Paul answers it. That's possible in the spirit. Pray at all times in the spirit. Paul says that's possible through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us all the time. That indwells the life of a believer, the one who has placed his trust in Jesus Christ, the one who Jesus sent on his behalf. He is, in fact, Christ with us always. Holy Spirit, who we've talked about throughout the context of the book of Ephesians. So in chapter one, this is the one who is the guarantee of our inheritance of heaven, of eternity. He's the pledge in the here and now. We have him here and now so that we will know for sure he will be with us all the way until we're in the presence of the Father and the Son. That spirit, the same one that we saw in Ephesians chapter two, verse 18, that gives us access to the Father. We have access to the Father through the Spirit. Same one who strengthens us in our inner being, Ephesians 3.16. The same one who fills us and empowers us, Ephesians 5.18. The same one who, get this, prays. Spirit of God prays? Yeah, the Spirit of God prays with us and for us. Romans 8.26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. So by the power of the Spirit of God living in me, I can at the same time be fully engaged in a conversation with one of my middle school girls and asking God for wisdom in how to respond. That's prayer. I can at the same time be facilitating a discussion with our staff team, leading a discussion with our staff team and listening to God for answers to the very questions that we're asking together. That's prayer. I can, at the same time, be walking the 18th fairway in a golf tournament, totally engaged in the competition, and be mindful of the God who put the grass that grows under my feet. The God who makes the sun warm my back. The God who gave me the sport that I love to play. Can I tell you what I do up here every time that I teach? I'm praying constantly. Praying that God will give me words, his words. Begging the spirit of God to make clear what I don't make clear. Pleading with God to change your hearts and mine. I'm doing that right now. Fully present with you and utterly aware of my total dependence on him. That's prayer. And Paul says to us that that is possible through the power of the Spirit all the time. Now I want you to look at verses 19 and 20 just briefly as well. Why do you think it is that Paul asked the church to pray for him to be bold? He actually does this twice. Look at verse 19. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. Here it is. To make known with boldness mystery of the gospel. Verse 20 says it again. 
twice. Here it is. For which I am an ambassador, that in proclaiming it, that is the gospel, I, may, I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. Seems crazy to me. If Paul is anything, he is bold, right? Everything we know to be true about Paul is bold. It's courageous. Everywhere he goes, he's bold. Everything he does is bold. He acts, the things he says, they're all bold, incredibly bold. In fact, he is right now, when he's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, he, he is right at the time the letter arrives in Ephesus, he is in chains, in prison, in Rome. Why? Because he'd been so bold with the gospel. Why does Paul need prayer to be bold? The word means fearless. Why does Paul need prayer to fearlessly make known the gospel? Well, remember the context. The context is spiritual warfare. Paul is asking the church to pray for him because he knows the enemy that he's up against. He knows the spiritual battle that rages against his soul. He knows he is not fit for that battle in his own strength. And so he turns to one of his greatest spiritual weapons, prayer. Would you pray for me? I need the prayers of the church. I need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and so do we. Now, I've been thinking about this all week. I have that advantage over you. I've, I've been thinking about this all week. And I, I want to do something different with the rest of our time together today. I want to invite you to do something that is very different than what we typically do in a service in here on a weekend. There, there's much more that we could say about prayer, and we do and, and we will. But instead of saying more about prayer today, I, I want to just invite us to take Paul at his word here and apply God's truth to our lives. I want to invite us to take the next 20 minutes or so in application of this truth. I'm going to lead us in a guided prayer. We don't get the opportunity to do this very often in this setting. And I'd like for us to do it together. And I know this. I, I, I know that that might be challenging for some of us. I get that. And I know this, I, I know that it's going to put some of you to sleep. That's okay. I'm okay with that. I want to do it. If prayer is one of our greatest spiritual weapons, and it is, if it's one of our greatest spiritual weapons, then we don't put it to use enough. I don't. And no better way for us to grow in this area than to simply do it together. There's an insert in your program. Here's how I'd like to lead us through this guided prayer. Everybody take this out. It says ACTS at the top. It's an acronym, A-C-T-S. This is not new. Many of you have probably seen this. This is how I learned to pray growing up. This is how my mom taught me to pray. And it is uh, most often how I still pray today. I pray through this pattern of prayer. Now, it's certainly not the only way to pray. Many, many ways that, that God invites us to pray. But it does capture the essence of what the Bible says about prayer. And I think it's a great resource for us in, in showing us how to pray. And so I want to use it this morning as, as I walk us through prayer. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to walk us through each of these sections. I'm going to take adoration. I'll make a few comments about what adoration is and how to pray that way. And then I'm just going to give you some space privately, 
personally, quietly, one-on-one with God to pray along those same lines. I'll take us through these four sections and then our worship team will lead us as we conclude our prayer in song. I want you to remember this as we step into prayer together. I want you to remember that prayer is a conversation. So prayer is about expressing my thoughts to God and prayer is about sitting quietly and listening. Hear me, it's okay if you don't know what to say. It's fine. It's okay if you run out of things to say. It's okay if you just choose to pause, stop, and breathe. The Spirit of God prays with us and for us. Just sit quiet for a moment and let Him bring other things to your mind. Adoration. Adoration is the act of paying honor, putting into words our reverent admiration of God. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he began with adoration. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Word means holy. Set apart is your name. And that's all adoration is. It's simply declaring who God is. Just speaking the truth of who God is, his essence and his attributes. I use this phrase, God, you are, and then I just start filling in the blank. God, you are holy, set apart like no other. God, you are righteous. You judge rightly always. God, you are creator. God, you are sovereign. I just start filling in the blank over and over. And I want to invite you to do the same right now. Take these minutes, look at these psalms, and just start filling in the blank with your adoration of our God and King.
often reflect on God's love for us? Would you take just a moment to return that love to him? Would you tell him that you love him? Nothing but truth comes from your mouth. There is no evil in you. You are all powerful. You are strong, mighty. You can be trusted in all things. You are sovereign. You are in control. You work things to your purposes and your ends. You are creator of all the things that we see and experience created us you are hope you are kind you are love you are above all and beyond all we extol your name we praise your name your renown is above all the earth Your essence is higher than, your attributes are different than anything else. You are holy, righteous, set apart. You are justice. You are fair. You are faithful. You are patient. You are persistent. You are always the same. Always. Confession is acknowledging our sin, our repentance, our need for forgiveness. We come into the presence of God and we reflect on who He really is. It helps us to see who we really are. We're not like Him, not anything like Him. We're not holy, we're not righteous on our own. We are not blameless. And so we admit that, we confess that word confess it just simply means to agree with to agree with God what is true about us so we confess that we are a sinful people confess that we are a broken people and we repent we turn from our sin you take these moments to confess your sin your pride your selfishness hurt or the harm that you've caused others, things that you harbor deep within your own heart, things you know you need to say. Say it to him.
might ask the Spirit of God to bring things to mind that you're not aware of. And ask God to forgive you. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That freedom is yours right now. You are clean in your repentance, restored. Nothing left standing between you and him. Thanksgiving is expressing genuine gratitude for God's mercies, grace, his provision, and his character. We reflect on who God is. We see ourselves for who we really are. It seems only fitting to thank him for what he has done on our behalf. Thank him for his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his compassion. Thank him for the work that he has done Son, to save us from who we are. To grant us righteousness in his eyes to the work of his son. Thank him for all the spiritual blessings that are made available to us in Christ. Thank him for the provision, his provision for our lives, our families. We have so much to be thankful for. You take these moments to express your deep gratitude to him.
1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Everything. That's a very difficult thing to do. Would you ask the Spirit of God now to show you how to give thanks? Ask Him to show you how to give thanks even in the most difficult circumstances of your life. Would you ask Him to show you how? And would you give thanks in those? Supplication is humbly asking God for what we need and asking on behalf of others. This is the place where we bring our petitions, Paul's word, or requests to God. We come humbly, we come reverently, but we don't come ashamed. We are free to ask. God wants to hear those words from our hearts, from our lips. Our thoughts, our questions, our deepest longings, our desires, our needs. 1 John 5, this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So ask him.
the book of Ephesians prays for the church and he asks the church to pray for him. Part of our supplication is not just our request, but it is the request of those around us. It is to pray for others. We may know specific requests. We may not, not know specific requests. I invite you as Paul invites the church for him to pray for one another. Pray for those you know in the church. Those that come to mind that the Spirit brings. Would you just pray for them? If you don't know what to pray, pray that they would know the surpassing greatness of God. The love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. The power of the Holy Spirit that indwells them. Just pray the same way that Paul prays. For us, for them. Finally, Paul asks for prayer to be bold. Would you pray that we too would be a bold people? Powered by the Holy Spirit to live different than the world around us. People who would speak truth when it is not popular. We love our neighbors regardless of their ethnicity, religion, or sexuality that we would proclaim Christ without fear.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Next week we will conclude our study of the book of Ephesians. Lloyd's going to come and teach the last couple of verses. He'll review the book and then we're going to give you something to say if you'd like. We're going to give you a chance to say something about what God's been teaching you, about how God's been changing you over the course of our study. So if you have that in the back of your mind this week and the Lord prompts something in you and you would like to say it, I want you to know you're going to have that opportunity this coming week. It'll be good to be back together then. For today, go in peace. We'll see you.